Hey, this is Chelsea Emery from Christ Walk Church, and this is our podcast. For more information about our church, visit thechristwalk.com. We hope this message encourages you to live for something more. Thanks for listening. Man, it is so good to be in the house of the Lord with all of you this morning. And I know that I've been saying it um, on, on you know, our online broadcast and everything. It's good to see you, good to be with you. But today I can say it and really mean it because I'm in a room full of people. Because most of the time when, I said, when I've said that over the past six months, it's just been me and my friend, the camera. And um, so it's been, you know, maybe like, I'm just telling on myself, maybe a little, you know, a little white lie there. Um, so I need to forgive, uh, 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 repent and, and ask for forgiveness. Um, from you, but it is awesome to be with you. So excited um, to be able to reassemble and for us to kick off a brand new, um, a brand new series today. Before we jump into that, there's some people that I do um, need to recognize uh, since it's been six months since we have been together like this in this capacity. Uh, just a few people that, that deserve some recognition that I want to point out to everyone. And the first one of those is my wife, Sarah. She's right here on the front row. She, yes, she is smoking hot. Um, I love her with every fiber of my being, and um, she has been just a rock, a support um, during, uh, during all of this, and, you know, leading an organization through, um, you know, through a, a situation like we've been walking through um, is definitely not easy, and so she has, she has prayed for me, she's prayed for you, she's prayed for our church and our community, and she's supported me and, um, you know, been someone that I could go to for advice and wise counsel, and so I just want to say thank you. It's a, it's a privilege to be married to you and just to do ministry alongside you, and I'm excited about um, the future of this church and our ministry together as we step into this new season um, as the pastors of Christ Walk Church. Um, also want to give a shout out to, um, to our team here at Christ Walk, uh, uh, Pastor Nate Emery and his wife Chelsea. Um, yeah, during all of this, man, they, they have gone over and above and just done way more than um, their job description shows and, and just poured themselves into, um, into this place and into serving, um, serving you guys. And uh, you, you have experienced their ministry, the, the things that you have experienced as, a, as an extension of our church have their fingerprints all over them. And um, just so thankful for them and everything that they do to support me and um, to help move the mission and vision of this house forward. Um, that goes as well for um, all of our council members, our elders, um, their families. Uh, they, they've been just a great support structure during this, helping us to figure all of this out and helping me to make uh, proper decisions and how we're going to you know, proceed and move forward. Um, all of our house church leaders um, that we've had in place, the people um, that even though this building um, wasn't open on Sunday mornings, we had people that were opening their homes um, um, for people to come together and experience corporate worship. And uh, I got to be honest, um, Sarah and I, we had the opportunity to travel around and visit those house churches a number of times um, over the past few months. And as, as a pastor, that was just some of the most fulfilling experiences that I've had in ministry, just to get to be in living rooms um, with people and in their homes and just share in the Lord's Supper together. Um, just a great, great time. Um, all of you who came out, 
and participated in um, some of our service projects or you came out to put in time here at the church to get ready for this building to reopen. Some of you were here until the wee hours of the morning and you have gone over and above the call of duty. You've truly acted as the hands and feet of Jesus to our community. And even though the building might have been closed, the church was not closed and ministry has continued to go forward and we have continued to make a difference and shine the love and the light and the life of Jesus Christ into the dark places of our city. That's only possible because of those of you who have come out to serve with your hands and your feet to make a difference. For those of you that have continued to give and support our ministry financially, um, nobody missed a paycheck. Uh, our, our budget, we're, we're, we're under budget, and we've even brought in more than, than we had anticipated bringing in up to this point. And the Lord is continuing to bless because of those of you who continue to give. And it's not just here at home on the home front for um, what's taking place inside of these four walls, but all the ministries that we're supporting through our kingdom builders, both locally and globally. Globally, we've been able to do that um, completely, and it's been absolutely incredible, and it's because of those of you who are so generous and you live with open hands. Um, we couldn't do what we do without you, and then I, I couldn't move um, any further without recognizing all of our volunteers who are serving. Um, we can't just open the doors of the building and have church. We have to have people to help us make everything happen from the, the worship leaders that are leading us, um, the, the band, our MCs, those in our media booth, our guest services, all of our kids, our children's ministry volunteers. We couldn't do this without them. And so they deserve to be recognized this morning. And then finally, to all of you, whether you're here in this room or you're watching with us online, I don't take it lightly that you choose to call Christ Walk Church home. And so I just want to recognize you and say thank you. Thank you for letting me be your pastor because I realize there's a bunch of great churches in this city with a bunch of great pastors and leaders and staffs and teams, but yet you guys choose to call this place home and let me be your pastor. And that's something that I don't take lightly and I'm forever grateful for those of you who give me that opportunity. So can we just give all of those people a round of applause? So uh, if, you've, if you've got your Bible or maybe you've got a smart device, um, I want to invite you to turn with me to the New Testament, or you can swipe there if you're on your phone or a mobile device, something like that, um, to the very first book of the New Testament, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. We call those first four books of the New Testament the Gospels, because gospel means good news, and the reason those four books in particular are good news is because they tell the story of the life and teachings of Jesus, and we're going to take a look at one of his teachings in depth this morning as we kick off a brand new series called Over It. And we're going to land there in Matthew chapter 6 in just a minute. Um, how many of you, like, and, and especially as we, we reassemble, we come back together, chances are um, you've had people ask you questions, like maybe you haven't seen them in a little bit of time, and they would say like, hey, how's it going, right? How's it going? Or maybe they would say, how are you? How are you doing? How are you feeling? How, how are things or whatever? And, and, and I don't know about you, but, but once we get past like that, that typical word of, of fine or okay, you know, um, something that I've realized or something that I've, that I've begun to notice that are, are more typical answers to those questions is when somebody says, hey, how's it going? We say, oh, busy, 
right? Busy. Or when somebody says, how are you? We say, mm, I'm tired. I'm tired, right? Show of hands, how many of you would say, my life is busy right now? Anybody, anybody want to be honest? There's a bunch of hands in the room. How many of you would say that because of all the busyness in my life, I'm feeling kind of tired right now? Yeah, how many of you would say both? I'm both busy and tired. Um, that's just kind of how I live from day to day, right? Busy and tired. That's what has come to define the lives that we live, particularly here in America. Busy and tired have become badges of honor that we wear because we're supposed to be busy because that means that there's a lot of stuff going on and that we're important and that if we're not tired, it means that we're lazy because we're not doing anything and that's why we're able to be so well rested. And so badges of honor that we wear are busy and tired. And then we run into a passage out of Matthew 11, where Jesus says this. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And we've all just done it. I'm sorry for the setup, but you've just identified yourselves as busy and tired. And Jesus is saying that the life that he offers is one of rest. And you can see very quickly that those two things do not add up together. That word rest, right? Like, that sounds great. Anybody, rest, does that sound good to anybody? You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds elusive. It sounds elusive. See, fatigue, we know. Exhaustion, it's an old friend. Burnout, that's familiar, right? Right, collapse, we're acquainted with collapse, but rest, rest for many of us, rest is a complete and total stranger. Rest is such a stranger because we have chosen to live a life that is contrary to it. We've chosen to live outside of the boundary of the rest that Jesus offers. And instead, we've chosen to be overworked and overconnected and overspent and overcommitted. And I don't know about you guys, but I, for one, I'm over it, right? Is anybody with me? Anybody over it this morning? Yes. But here's the deal. We can't just say that we want something different and then continue to live the same way that we've been living. If we want God to do something different in our lives, then the first step is we've got to begin to live our lives differently. Amen? So if we're over it this morning... If you're feeling over it this morning, you're over being overcommitted, you're over being overspent, you're over being overconnected, you're over being overworked and overexhausted and over busy and overtired. If that is you, then I want to invite you to lean in. Because over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what the Bible says about how we can not only get over it, but how we can stay over it. And we can enter into that life and experience the rest that Jesus has to offer. And that begins first right here at the forefront with us diagnosing the problem that exists that is leading to us being busy and tired and overcommitted and overspent, overconnected and overworked. The good news is, is that Jesus talks to us 
about real life issues that you and I face. He talks to us about that specific issue in Matthew chapter six. And you've turned there. We're gonna read starting in verse 19 together. Matthew chapter six, verse 19. Jesus says this. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy. And thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires, say desires, desires of your heart will also be. Skip down a few verses to 24. This is no one, this is Jesus continuing to talk, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted, say devoted, You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Verse 27 Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have, this is what Jesus calls us, why do you have so little faith? Verse 31. So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers but your heavenly father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Or maybe if you go back to how I learned it in the King James version growing up, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. See, not only does this passage, that Jesus used this passage to point out to us the root of our struggles, the the root of what is leading us to be busy and tired. Not only does he use that to point, use this passage to point that out, but he's also helping us to understand how we have misdiagnosed the, the, the proper solution to the problem. And, but then he takes it a step further and he tells us exactly what we need to do. He gives us the remedy. So he's showing us, here's the root of the issue over here that is leading to you feeling busy and tired all the time. And here is how you have chosen to address the problem. And here's why that's not working. And then here's the real solution to the issue that, you face. And so if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write these down. Um, We're going to talk about three things. We're going to pull three things out of this passage. We're going to pull out the problem. We're going to pull out our solution. And then we're going to talk about God's solution for us, his remedy for this issue as we get into this series that each week is going to build on the weeks prior over the next four weeks. 
So the problem here is this. The problem that Jesus identifies is one of our desire and devotion. You said those words. We read them directly out of the text. It's a problem of our desires and our devotion. And Jesus, he talks about our desire. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. In other words, the things that you value, wherever, wherever you put your value, that's where your heart is going to follow after Notice that it's the heart follows our treasure, follows our values, and not the other way around. So we're making a choice of what we ascribe value to. We're making a choice what we consider as a treasure, and that when we do that, our heart then follows in behind. Here's what uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 14, 12 says about these desires. He says, there is a path before each person that seems right, It seems valuable. It seems like this is the place that we should place our treasure, but it ends in death. That's some pretty harsh words, right? Death. But here's what I know about people that are busy and tired all the time. It's killing them. Living that way, it's killing us to be that way all of the time. And, and it, it, it's, it's not a new problem. This started all the way back in the Old Testament, all the way at the beginning of time in the Garden of Eden. See, it's attached to original sin. It's when, when Adam and Eve, they, they, they were deceived by the serpent and they, they decided that they were going to do what God told them not to do, And they were going to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so they began to choose their own way instead of choosing to live God's way. And ultimately what happened is is that they were banished from the garden where it was this this paradise, this utopia. It was literally where where heaven touched earth and they were no longer able to be there. And and as a result, they they were kicked out of God's presence because now sin had entered the picture and it had distanced them from God. And so now what happens is, what happens is Adam, instead of just all of the fruits and vegetables and everything that he needs, um, just, just growing naturally around him for him to walk up and pick and, and to, be, to, be, to eat and be fulfilled and satisfied and everything. Now he has to plant seeds in the ground and he has to water and he has to hoe and he has to pull the weeds and everything. And it's a lot of work and it took a lot of time, which led to him being busy and tired, right? And then Eve, she was told, now you're gonna have pain in your childbearing and I don't know if you've ever maybe been in the room with, um, with, with someone who is giving birth to a baby, uh, to a woman that is giving birth with a baby, but at that moment, she is busy and she is tired. And then once that baby comes out, like busy and tired, just become the moniker that she just wears for the next 40 years of her life as she raises that child. Busy and tired, it's just how it is. And all of this is a result of the original sin where we chose to live our own way instead of doing things God's way. And we continue to have that choice today. We continue to choose whether or not we're going to live according to God's standards, according to the principles of his word, or if we're going to do things the way that we want to do them. And the question is, how do we know which way we're going? How do we know if the, if the choices that we are making, how, how do we determine if our desires are in the appropriate place? 
And there's two really kind of main indicators. These are not the, the be-all, end-all. They don't encompass maybe 100% of it, but there's two primary indicators that you and I can use to make a self-evaluation of where our desires lie, and that is with our calendar and our budget. Our calendar and our budget. I didn't know he was going to talk about money on the first day back. I know you were thinking I was going to be like happy and like, no, like I want to get real. Like, let's really get down to it because I believe this is something that God's been challenging me with over these past six months and it's kind of been pent up and I'm ready to just like share with you what God's done in my life. And that's ultimately what this series is all about. Just sharing with you some of the things that God has revealed to me over this, this past season. And so the two indicators of where our values lie with our calendar and our budget, our calendar, how we spend our time, our budget, how we spend our money. And I'm not just talking about what we put on our calendar or what we put on our budget, because at the end of the day, those are just two pieces of paper that just kind of exist out there in the ether. I'm talking about how we actually like really spend our time. Like what are we doing and how we're actually spending our money. And I got to tell on myself, sometimes when I look at my calendar, not just what's listed there, not just my appointments, the things that I'm doing from a day on a, on a day-to-day basis, the things that I'm doing in those, those cracks and those gaps in between, when I, when I look at my budget compared to the way that I'm actually spending my money, a lot of the time I don't like what I see there. And a lot of the time, the way that I'm spending my time and the way that I'm spending my money, it is not a reflection of someone who has a heart that is chasing after and pursuing God. So while I'm still the pastor for at least the next few minutes, now that I've told the truth, I want to talk to you about that. Because there's a problem here. Here's the problem. James, the brother of Jesus, he, he talks about this problem. He, he says this. He says, temptation comes from our own desires. There's that word again. Which entice us and drag us away. Drag us away from what? Drag us away from God. We're doing things our own way. And so we're moving in a direction that is not headed towards the Father. It says, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. That means when I'm not planning my time and using my time properly, and when my finances are not in the right place, that that brings up temptations in my life that pull me away from God and ultimately end up in in me committing sin, which ultimately will lead to not producing a life, but producing death. And this is how I, this is how we, how we're choosing to live. This is where our desires are moving us in the direction of, to death. So the desires, that's just the first half of the problem. The second half of the problem is is our devotion. And Jesus said in, in, in chapter six that we read earlier, he said, no one can serve two masters, it's impossible. 
You can't serve two things. You can't be undivided in your approach. Your heart can't be pulled in two different directions. No one can serve two masters. You'll either hate the one and love the other. You will despise one and be devoted to the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And that word money right there is so much bigger than just dollars and cents. That's actually a word that maybe in your translation, you see the word mammon. And maybe you see it with a lowercase m, and it certainly exists that way, but guess what? It also exists with an uppercase m, mammon. That means that it is, it's a personality. It's actually a spirit. It is, it's, a, it, it's a demon. It's the Chaldean and the Syrian deity of, of uh, uh, wealth and worldly gain, success, status, and riches, that's what it's talking about. It's so much bigger than just a dollar bill and some loose change. It is our pursuit of the things that the world looks at and says, yeah, that person's got it all together. They got it going on. They've achieved the peak. They're hitting the stats. Look at them. They are so busy. They are so tired. They must be awesome. That's what the Lord is saying. Or, uh, that's what the world is saying. And the, but the Lord is, is communicating something different. He, he's, saying that, he's saying that we're either going to serve him or we're going to serve mammon and that we, it's impossible for us to serve both. It's impossible for us to hold the hand of the world and hold the hand of our heavenly father at the same time because eventually those two things, they're pulling in different directions and eventually it's going to rip us in two, which will lead to our destruction. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, he, he's saying here that that. Jesus James, the brother of Jesus, he says it gives birth to death. It's going to destroy you if you continue to live that way. And Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You can only serve one because when we serve, that means to yield or, or to surrender. And when yielding, like you've seen this maybe in traffic, you know, you see a yield sign. And what that means is, is that you've got to be on the lookout because you are allowing someone else to go first, right? So when we yield to something, we are allowing it to go first. And so many of us, we are yielding to the God of mammon. We're allowing mammon to go first in our life. And when we do that, we're saying, God, you don't go first. And then God's coming to us and he's saying, but you can't serve two masters. Don't you understand? You can't have it that way and have it my way. This isn't Burger King. And so if we're yielding to something that is not God, that means that God is not in first place of our life. And Paul talks about it this way in Romans 6. He says, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Who chooses? We. We choose. We have a choice. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can choose to be a slave to sin, which, there it is again, leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. The abundant life that John 10.10 10 talks about. I don't know, but if I had both of those on a platter this morning and I gave you the option, like we did like the Pepsi challenge here today, but it was like, you know, which one would you rather have, death or life abundantly? I feel pretty certain that most of you would choose the life abundantly, right? 
Like that's kind of what we're going after. But yet the way that we're living our lives, it's geared towards death instead of righteous living. Because the truth is you and I, we are going to be a slave. We are going to serve something or someone. The question is, who or what is that going to be? And whichever we choose to obey will determine the end result that we arrive at. See, both God and mammon promise the same thing. They promise satisfaction and they promise fulfillment. But if we readily admit, just like you all did, many of you at the beginning of this message, that we are not happy with the results that we are currently getting, that we're busy and tired, remember? If we're not happy with that, then why do we continue to live the way that we do? And Jesus tells us, he says, this is why you're living this way. This is the solution that you've put out to the problem. Our solution to this problem of desire and devotion is this. Our solution is doubt. Our solution is doubt. Jesus said it time and time again in that passage. He talks about worry. He says, you're so worried about all of these things. He calls us people of little faith. Ultimately, he says that that these are the things that dominate the thoughts, not of believers, not of people that have put their hope and their trust in Jesus. They dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. See, here's the deal. Mammon has lied to us and we've believed it. We've bought into the lie of mammon that there is something out there other than Jesus that can satisfy our lives. And we've chosen to doubt that God is the real thing, to doubt that he has what it takes. And we've decided, God, we're gonna put you in second place. We're gonna yield to mammon and we're going to start living that way because our way is better. Our way is better. And so what happens is, is we buy bigger homes and we fill them with newer things thinking that that is going to make us happy. And the problem with that is that in order to to afford those newer homes or bigger homes and newer things, we have to work more in order to be able to make more money, to to make the payments for those things. And so all of that stuff that we have, our, our time gets consumed with working to make the money, to make the payments. And so we're unable to enjoy it and which, which, which leads to us feeling unfulfilled again. So we continue to search for those feelings of fulfillment and satisfaction in so many other ways. We we seek after more money or a higher salary. We look for fulfillment through sex or through social media or or, um, checking one more email or or, or through through our workplace or our jobs. We're looking for for satisfaction, ultimate fulfillment in in our our, our fitness or, or our fashion, in our education, in sports, in our car, in our lawn hobbies that we pursue. And these days, our access to all of those things comes to this tiny little box that we keep in our pockets or our purses that we just can't seem to let go of and put it down. One more text, just one more like, just one more email, one more post, then I'll be satisfied. Then I will be fulfilled. Then I will have officially arrived. Just one more. But it's all empty. And it's, ultimately, it's making us empty. 
And what we fail to realize is that the pursuit of all this emptiness, it's making the chains of our slavery to mammon become so much tighter and tighter. And the whole time we're simply just left wondering at the end of the day, surely there is more to life than this. Because I gotta tell you, I am busy and I am tired and it should be different because of all the things that I'm doing and all of the things that I am feeling. Surely there's something more. The writer of Ecclesiastes in chapter five, verses 10 and 11, he says, those who love money will never have enough. That's true, right? Like when do we get to the point that it's all enough? When do we get to the point that that we have enough stuff that we don't need anything else? He says, how meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. Ask somebody that wins the lottery. They got family members coming out of the woodwork. I'm your uncle's brother's mom's sister's cousin twice removed. You know, they want to help you spend some of that money. So, so the writer of Ecclesiastes says, what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? By the way, if you're watching wealth slip through your fingers, You should join my Financial Peace University life group this semester. We're gonna help to reverse that curse in our lives. You can sign up at thechristwalk.com forward slash groups. (laughs) Paul writes about it when he writes to Timothy, a young minister that he's investing in. He says in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10, he says, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped. That connects in with James, what we've been talking about. We're dragged away, we're enticed, it leads to death. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires. There it is again. I'm not making this stuff up, friends. That plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, the love of mammon is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, craving stuff, craving the bigger house, craving the newer car, craving the next email, craving the next post, craving the next whatever. They're craving all of these things. They've wandered from the true faith and they have pierced themselves with many sorrows. We will serve something or someone, but what is it going to be? Here's what I know about mammon. Serving mammon promises fulfillment and satisfaction, but it leads to suffering. Serving God, on the other hand, promises suffering, but leads to fulfillment and satisfaction. The psalmist writes in 107, Psalm 107, let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things that he has done for them. For he, the Lord, satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Our satisfaction is found in nothing, nothing but our heavenly father. And so if our solution is not going to bring about the result, if our solution of doubting God's way and living our own, if our solution is, is putting God in second place and yielding to the pursuit of mammon in our life, if that's not bringing about the desired result, then what do we do? And the good news is that Jesus tells us. He tells us, he says, the solution to this where the problem is with your desires and your devotion, that that your solution is doubt, my solution is to depend. My solution is to 
depend. Matthew 6, right there at the, the, the peak of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, it's like the hinge point. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Or, or perhaps another translation you might be fami more familiar with is, and all these things will be added unto you. So when I read that, I discover it's not so much an issue of propriety, but instead it's an issue of priority. Let me say that again because that's some good stuff right there. It's not necessarily an issue of propriety, what is, what's proper for me, but it's an issue of priority. See, there's nothing inherently wrong with pursuing a higher education or having a lot of followers on Instagram or wanting a bigger house or buying a new car or seeking after a bigger, better job, desiring a higher salary, enjoying a hobby, spending time, being sure that your grass looks better than your neighbor's grass. There's nothing inherently wrong with any of those things and the list could go on and on. But the problem is when those things get in the way of our pursuit of Jesus and our placement of him and his rightful place on the throne of our hearts and lives, that's where we get it wrong. And Jesus said this, he told his followers this in, in Mark 8 and in other places in the gospels, but he said this, he said, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. We've been talking about that. We can't live the way that we want to live anymore. We've got to give that up. We can't pursue the things that we want to pursue. We've got to give up our own way. And he says instead, take up your cross and follow me. Because if you try to hang on to your life, if you try to get all that you can in this world, you will lose it. What he's saying there is he who dies with the most toys still is dead. But he says, if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is there anything that's worth more than your own soul? See, here's what I believe that Jesus is ultimately saying to us. As we identify this problem of slavery and, and the choices that are presented before us when it comes to being busy and tired, when it comes to our pursuit of God versus our pursuit of mammon, ultimately what this passage comes to, and I believe what the Lord is wanting to say to you and me, what he's wanting us to understand as we lay the foundation for the rest of this series is simply this. It's gonna be right here on the screen. By doing things our way, we end up with what is worthless. But by doing things God's way, we end up with what is priceless. Do you see the difference? By doing things our way, we end up with what's worthless. It leads to destruction, it leads to death. But by doing things God's way, we end up with what is priceless. Everlasting life. Yeah, this world, we may have to sacrifice a lot here, but it's a drop in the bucket 
compared to what we will gain in eternity. You guys know what I'm gonna say. It's because of Jesus that the best is still yet to come. This world can't fill that hole. The things of this world, the success and the status and the power and the money and the wealth and all of that stuff, it can't fill that void in our life. It's only Jesus. Only he can truly satisfy us. This world has nothing for me. But because of the cross of Calvary, we step across that line and we put faith and hope in Jesus. We realize that he has everything. He has everything. That's what we look forward to today. That's what we can look forward to today. Those of us that have placed our hope and our trust in him, we've chosen him as Lord and Savior. We've said, Jesus, I want you to have first place in my life. I want you to have first place. If that's you today, you've never made that decision. Perhaps in your life, Jesus has been second, third, 112th, some other place. But you'd say, Pastor Blake, this is a message for me. I'm done. I'm done being busy and tired. I'm done pursuing the things of this world that only lead to emptiness and will ultimately lead, ultimately lead to my death and my destruction. Instead today, I wanna choose life. I wanna step into a relationship with Jesus Christ. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer along with me. If you're praying it, you can look up, it's gonna be on the screen. If that's you today, then you're ready to invite Jesus into your life. You're ready to put him in first place in the throne of your heart. Would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus in his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Amen. And for the rest of us, my question is this, how can we begin this week today how can we start to shift our calendar so that we're able to put God first in our schedule? How can we begin to change our spending habits so that God is able to take first place in our finances? What can we do this week to start the process? It's not gonna be fixed in a day. It's not gonna be fixed in a week. Like this is something that, that we, have to, we have to do over the long haul, but it starts with one initial decision? What can we begin to do this week to adjust our priorities to ensure that God has first place in our hearts and in our lives, that he is the one who's worthy of it all, not some, not most, that he's worthy of it all. God, you're worthy of it all. I'm gonna shift this here. I'm gonna change this here. I'm gonna stop doing this. I'm gonna start doing this. Because God, I, I wanna get you back into first place where you belong. I'm tired of being a slave to that which is killing me, that which is leading to me being busy and tired and overcommitted and overspent and overconnected and overworked. I'm done with that. 
Instead today, I'm choosing life, choosing to live your way. Let's pray together. God, we're done with being busy and tired. Lord, we are done with doing things our way. God, we are done with pursuing mammon and its empty promises of fulfillment and satisfaction. God, today, make this your prayer with me. Today, God, I choose to live for something more. Today, I choose, we choose to surrender to your way. Today, we choose to put you first, to start giving you the best of us instead of just the rest of us. Today, God, we choose to exchange the bondage of slavery to the world for the blessing of rest and righteousness. Today, God, we recognize that you and you alone are our living hope. In Jesus' name, pray these things. Amen, amen, amen.